as we continue, please just know that any type of healing or any type of physical blessing from the Lord is only to foreshadow and show you what He does at the deeper level of reality and at the deeper level of humanity. What we pray for these individuals that came here for physical healing, we pray a hundredfold for your spiritual healing. There are those of you who are here who may not know Jesus Christ. There are those here who may have heard of Jesus and they may have talked about Jesus before and they may have said a prayer sometime. But I have to ask you, is Jesus who you are? Is he a part of the very fiber of your being? Has he brought you from death to life? Has he made you to see and made you to hear all the glories of God? I want you to ask yourself that as we go through today because my Bible tells me that a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. And those who have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit through the shed blood of Jesus Christ cannot help but to live because it is Christ who lives in them. So for us to die is gain and to live is Christ. Everything that we do, every thought that we have and every fiber of our being moves and breathes and lives and finds its existence and its purpose in Jesus Christ. Is that you? Did I just describe you? Yes, we go up and yes, we go down, but we are going in the same direction and that's where Christ is found. And I ask you today, do you know him? Do you know, not do you know about him, do you know him intimately? Lord God, release us in this moment. Release us to worship. Release us to experience. Release, release us to learn. Grant us wisdom, God, for we are a slow people. Grant us love, for we are a hardened group. Grant us perseverance because we want to sit down and we want to go home. Grant us eyes to see and ears to hear that we might be overwhelmingly amazed at what you're about to do here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I, I want us to see Christ today. I want us to see Christ every day. My life could have no greater joy. My life could have no greater meaning or purpose than for, number one, Christ to be glorified and for me to see him. I love you, but I want to see him. I fall and I fail and I, I mess up sometimes. But I can honestly say that, that I love Jesus. You know, you know where you are. You know where you are. You can tell me or not, do you really, are you in love with Jesus? I want you to be honest with yourself right now. I don't, you know, I really, I'm a pastor of this church, but, you know, I really kind of consider, I, church, I love the church. I love coming here. I love worship. But more than that, my question would be, not do you come to church all the time, not do you all the right things you are you in love with Jesus do you know him are you intimately involved with him do you think about him do you have thought you know I think I've quoted this before but Luther said it like this he said I've had thoughts of Christ too delicious for words 
You know, do you think about Christ in the way that you think about your wife? Do you think about Christ in a, in a way that, that gets you aroused? Does it, does it do something for you? Does it move you? Does it, does it make you fired up? Does it, you know, everybody says, man, you know, I like to, I like to see you get going. I like to see you fired up. I like, well, do you get fired up? Man, I'm, I don't know about you, but I don't just get fired up here. How many of you know me well enough that I don't just get fired up here? How many of you know that about me? I'm not pumping me up, but I'm asking you how fired up do you get? Do you know Jesus? Is he inside of you? Is he wanting to come out? Or you get on a roll and you're just like, I know I got to go, but I got to go. I got to let you know. You know what I'm saying? Do you get fired up about Jesus? I've asked him to keep playing today because I like that. I want you, I, 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 think, let me, let me, I think that might help the word slide into your ear. I don't know. We're going to open our Bibles today, and I'm going to preach the Word of God. I love to preach the Word of God. Do you love to preach the Word of God? You say, well, no, that's for you preaching. Oh, no. No, you may not do it exactly like I do it, but you know you're called to go, right? You know you're called to go. You know you're called to proclaim. There's two reasons you take notes today. One is so that you can learn, but two, so that you can learn to love God more and what you need to be, but two is techniques that you can employ while you're in the world. See, a lot of the stuff that I do here, I do in the world too. I'll, I'll run them through a sermon. Don't bother me. may not look the same, but I'll run through. Why? Because you are the hands and the feet of Christ. And how will they know if you don't tell them? Those of you who've got children, how are they going to know? That's the church's job. No, it's not. It's your job and it's my job to take the Word of God and to implant it in as many people as we can possibly get to. Do you know the Word well enough to do that? You say, not really. Well, how much time did you spend last week studying? You say, that's the preacher's job. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's our job. It's your job. It's not even a job. It's a life. A life poured out. Turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus. I want to show you something this morning that the Lord has been showing me and I'm so excited about it. And we've got the air on. It says it's 67 degrees in there, but that thing is a liar. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And I want to show you something today. First, I want to pray one more time. Lord Jesus, I, I come to you, and I ask God that you would remove all barriers, all things that hinder, all things that slow down, all things that, that might take away from you. I ask God that you would show us the words, put them on my lips, hide me behind the cross, may I not be seen, may it be you. In everything that we do, and everything that we say, may you be glorified and may your word go forward. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.
I told Josh to, to do that right before the service, and then the Lord was like, no, I don't think I want to do that. So, changed my mind. Is that okay with y'all? I'm not too proud to do that. Matter of fact, that might be a good, maybe that's why the Lord did that, I don't know. Do you believe God does everything for a reason? Does anybody here believe in coincidences? There's no coincidences. A lot of times we think that we've got a good idea. A lot of times we think that we know exactly what God wants from us, where he wants us to go, how he wants us to do life. Then all of a sudden to find out we're in the middle of when we're in the middle of it, that that wasn't really what God had desired. How many of you remember when we did the Q&A, you remember that I talked to you about God's will and what God's will looks like and that God's will is not an exactly perfectly straight line and you've got to figure out all the little minute details to stay on the will of God, but it's more like a lifestyle and a circle and you can uh, make choices within your life and how you make those choices uh, determines whether or not you're in the will of God and not necessarily the direct direction you're going the specific direction that you're going, but how you live your life. So if you may have two or three decisions to make, whether to go to this college or that college or take this career or make this job move or move houses or whatever, it wouldn't be necessarily that you would pray, God, exactly which one would be the one and all the other ones are wrong, but it would be, God, what would you have for me to do in this moment? And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to seek you. And as you seek the Lord, being in his will is how you make those decisions. So God can use you here. God can use you there. God could use you there. What you need to do is press into God and be moved by him and be willing in a moment to say, Lord, wherever you lead, I will go. I'll go here, but if then you lead me here, I'll go here. And that's weird that that just happened because all of this ties in because I have to ask you right now, where are you right now for God? Where are you right now for God? You say, what do you mean, Brandon? What do you, what do you mean, Pastor? I, I want to I know this. What is your duty? What is your call? What is your purpose right now in life? Who is it that God is calling you to reach? I want you in your mind to name them. Who are the people that God has laid on your heart that he has called you to, that you are to be a missionary to, that you are to be an evangelist to, that God has sent you to in order for him to use you to set them free? Who are they? Do you know them? Do you know them? You say, well, there's not really anybody right now. I would say that's, that can only come out of the mouth of the disobedient. God has called you to go into a lost world and to preach and proclaim the gospel, to share what he has done, to share the good news. This is what he has called you to do, and we need to start taking it seriously. There's a lost and dying world out there that if we don't go, they won't hear. And if they don't hear, they will not be saved. This morning, I want to show you. I want to show you three things, and I'm going to show you how Christ ties everything together. I, you, I, most of you who know me know that I love to go to the Old Testament. I love when to read the Old Testament of how it shows Christ in the Old Testament. We've talk, been talking here a lot lately about 
how everything is centered on and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and he does what no one else could do. But when we go back and we look at Moses and the Old Testament prophets and, and those that were in the Old Testament, those that are in the New Testament, all of these are foreshadows and types of Christ to show you what Jesus Christ was going to do and what you are to do as well. I want to show you today the life of Moses, and I want to show you how we can learn from the life of Moses just what God expects from us as evangelists. Now, we're looking today at the gift of evangelism. We've looked at uh, apostles, prophets. Now, we're going to look at evangelists. And what I'm going to suggest is, is that as the foundation is laid by the apostles and the prophets, next out of that comes the reaching for and the seeking after those that are lost, those that do not know God, the children of God that are in the world that are right now, they don't know God. They're lost. They're going to perish. Do we care about these? Do we care about what God's called us to do? Do we care that they're going to go to hell? You say, you believe in hell? Yes, I do. Hell is hot and forever is a long time. And I got to ask you, do you desire to prevent and be used by God, as it says in Jude, to snatch others out of the flames of hell? Or are you just walking around in life? You know, am I concerned with the games? Am I concerned with the football games and with my job, with my hobbies, with this or with that? Am I so consumed with the things of the world that I've lost sight of what God has called me to? You see, you are the hands and feet of Christ. He has called you to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the church. You say, well, I go to church, but are you the church? You say, well, I do some good things, but do you go after people who are lost? Do you understand that God has sent you individually? He sent you into a world as a missionary where you are to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? God has called you. Well, I want you to look right here. I'm going to start out in Romans chat. This, this is on here. i got some scriptures on here for you. If you want to write them down, that's fine. We're going to move around just a little bit, not as much today. But I want you to turn with me if you can, or it'll be on the screen. Romans chapter 10, and I just want you to read this. Now, if this is true, it changes everything about what our desire and what our focus should be. If you believe in Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15, if this is true, then it changes everything about who we are and what we are to do. Listen to what he says. He says, this is Paul writing, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if we confess with our mouth and we believe, then we have salvation. But let's continue on now. A lot of people stop right there. It says, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who would call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, there's where we know that anyone who would call on the name of the Lord would be saved. If you would call on Christ, Christ would come. If you seek him, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, he will save. But it keeps on here. Listen to this. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Hmm. But continue. Listen to this. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, how many of you forever thought that that was the preacher, right? The preacher preaches. How many of you? It's okay. How many? One person is willing to admit that. It's okay, brother. We, we get in there, right? I would have, you know, when I first read that, that's what I would have assumed, you know, right? Preachers preach, right? Teachers teach, right? Leeches leech, right? Booger's boog, you know? I would have thought that preacher, that's a preacher's job. But this word preaching right here, all it means is to proclaim, to, to tell, to proclaim the good news. I was talking to uh, a guy the other, it was a little while back, I think it was Josh. Me and Josh were talking, and, and Josh was saying to me, and I'm going I'm to put him on the spot right here, but I'll tell you, I'm the same way. We can get to talking, and I talked I talk to Josh, we can get to talking, and sometimes it's just really hard to tell stories about Jesus, right? It's hard to witness. How many of you think it's kind of hard to witness sometimes? It's okay. It's kind of tough to witness sometimes. And uh, I was talking to Josh, and Josh said, it's just, it's so hard to, I just can't really put into words, it's so hard to, 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 talk, to talk to somebody a lot and to tell stories about a person. It's, it's kind of hard to do that. Well, we continued talking, and it just hit me. It dawned on me because I've done the same thing. I asked him, I said, you ever told anybody about a golf game that you had? Oh, oh, yeah. Have you ever told somebody about the time you went to a trip and it was go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever told them about some struggles that you Oh, yeah, yeah. See, Josh, like me, and like you, if I'm not wrong, find it pretty easy to tell stories about ourselves. Is that, is that right? We, we, we don't mind, you know, I, I went to this movie the other night. It was a good movie. We'll tell all about this good movie. I went and played golf the other day. I, I went, and, I went and, and did this thing. I, I did this, put this yard into my house. I did this landscaping project. Man, it was awesome. I took this tree down the other day. You, you should have seen it. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. Oh, you should have seen this video. We tell stories all the time. As a matter of fact, when something's excited to us, we won't just tell a story, but we will wait for the opportunity. My son is, is one of the best at this, except he don't really wait for the opportunity. He's going to make sure that he tells you about what is exciting to him right when he can. He doesn't, he doesn't care if it's a time for that, if a door opens for that. He's going to, daddy, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? What? What's going on? There's a blue bug. <laughs> he's so excited. But he's going to find a way. He's going to find a way to tell you. How many of you are the same exact way? If something's exciting in your life, you got a new job opportunity, you saw a good movie, oh, Lord, have mercy. I, I ain't going to put this person on the spot because I'll do it too. I was talking to somebody else the other day about this, uh, this TV show called The Walking Dead. Some, somebody just did like this. And you should have seen it. Now, I, I, I watched this show too, you know, throw rocks, email, email this to, I don't care, at the well-landrum.com. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm talking to this person, we're at the table, you know, I'm talking to this person and, you know, we're talking about it. It's like, did you see that episode? You know, when the guy died? No, let me tell you what I think happened. Oh, this guy fell on this other guy, and they was really eating him, but they wouldn't eat the other guy. And, and, and he, he moved, he rolled, he took... Out right of the way like that right there. And, and he's living in the dumpster. He's alive. He's alive. 
now. I actually know a guy who they thought was dead. They put him in a tomb. They thought he was dead, but he was alive. But I'll tell you what, I, I, listen, 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 I'm not hitting anybody too hard because I was, I was actually the one telling them, I think he's eating the stuff in the dumpster. He's going to be alive, and they're going to find him because he's going to make it. <laughs> Hashtag Glenn's alive, all right? <laughs> but you know what I didn't do this week? I didn't sit down with the, oh, man, my stomach, because I just got convicted. Oh, Lord, you ever just preach conviction right on yourself? Oh, Lord. I didn't look at anybody this week and say, have you ever considered that he might be alive? Have you ever thought he's alive? He's alive. And this ain't no TV show. He's alive. Let me ask you, if it was exciting to you, wouldn't the natural consequence be that you would share maybe we just lose sight maybe we get exhausted maybe we get so focused on the things that is right in front of us that we kind of we throw away what we know we should do this morning I got in an argument with my wife she, and, and you know my wife I love her to death and I'm always wrong and she's always right and that's my story and I'm sticking to it but this morning, I thought that there was an issue that could have been her fault, but let's move on. <laughs> All right, Exodus chapter 1. I want to show you a few things here, and I want to show you how, how we can learn from... Yeah, I really did just move on. I want to show you a few ways that we can learn from Moses. We can take a look at the, the, the gift of evangelism that we can absolutely find out what it is that Christ calls us to do, how Moses was called, equipped. Now, I want to, I want to do it this way. Let's go ahead and, and put the first point up there. What I want to show you today is that Moses experienced deliverance in several different ways, and the true children of God in here, again, I'm talking to the true children of God, those who really do know Christ, who have been born again, born into a family. I want you to know that there's three ways that we are like Moses, okay? We have been, we've experienced at least three types of deliverance uh, as children of God. The first is, is that Moses was, he experienced deliverance at birth, Okay? He experienced deliverance at birth, though it looked hopeless. You see, a lot like Christ, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt in that time, was seeking to kill not just Moses, but all of the baby boys that was born because he was afraid that the people of God was going to get strong and overwhelm Egypt. So he set out this decree, and as a matter of fact, he did it with the midwives. Now, midwives was one that would help those have babies in that time, and they would, uh, they would deliver the babies and help with that whole process. And so uh, Pharaoh goes to the midwives, and listen to what he says. Now, they were uh, absolutely overwhelmed with extreme oppression. If you remember how they even got there, they got there through Joseph, who was actually in a time of prosperity in Egypt, and he had risen, uh, arisen to the second-in-command right under Pharaoh, right? What, what's going on? Man, I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? I, who, you going to preach? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So he had risen to second-in-command, but there was a famine in the land, Okay? So all of 
Joseph's brothers, who had tried to kill him, sold him into slavery, put, dumped all of this oppression on him. They meant it for evil. God meant it as good. The famine in the land, they had to come back to Egypt so that they might be able to eat, not even knowing that it was their brother who was in command, second in command over Egypt. And so they came back only to find out that it was him. He says, don't worry. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to have favor on you. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So they came into the land. It was actually salvation for them, right? It was a place where they could eat and where they could prosper, Okay, how often times do you find things in the world that feel really good? It feels like you're blessed, man. You roll, I got this job, I got this money coming in. You know, I didn't get eaten by zombies today. Everything's good. Everything's good. Only to find out later that that seeming prosperity came back to bite you in the tail. Because when they went into Egypt, it seemed good. But as soon as that leader, as soon as that pharaoh, as soon as that king was gone, another one came in and he looked at these guys as a threat. And he said, we've got to get rid of them. We've got to, we've got to do something about this because they're going to rise up and they're going to take my power. And he was power hungry, right? See, the world's after the world. You might think that the world's blessing you. You might think that these things from the world are a good thing. But Make no bones about it. Make no mistakes. They are after you. They are longing to kill you, to take from you, to rob you. The only one that's pure is Jesus Christ. So as we look at and see what happened to them, we see that as soon as this new king came in, he's looking, he's saying, these people are going to rise up. So he starts to ruthlessly rule and dominate them. It says in verse 14, it says, in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So they were extremely oppressed. Life had gotten so hard for them. It looked like God was gone. And listen, furthermore, he said, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom who was named Shifra and the other Puah, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. You see, the king had made a decree to the midwives. When a baby is born, if it's a girl, it's fine. Let it live. But if it's a male child, you need to kill that child right then and there. Does that sound familiar to you? So all of these midwives were instructed by the king to kill the baby as soon as it is born if it's a male. But the midwives, verse 17, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. You see, so they said, no, we don't want to do this because we're afraid of God. They feared God. We believe that they're God. Now, see, they, have, they, would have been, uh, they would have been able to remember how the Lord had delivered. They had heard the stories. They knew what God was capable of, so they feared God. So they said, no, we're not going to do this. So the first time is averted, okay? They said, no, we're not going to do this. Now, what, ha what do you think happened when the king found out that the midwives were not doing what they were supposed to be doing? You think he was upset? He would have been absolutely upset. So he comes to him and he says, what's going on? Why are you not doing this? See, the Lord provides a way out. The Lord provides a way out for his children. He provides a way for them to, to come into deliverance. And, and he's always there to make sure that his children see life. And that's just a true statement. Because God cannot fail. God cannot fail. Now they go back to him and says, uh, <laughs> It says, so the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, listen to this, because the Hebrew, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. 
for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Now, who in here again, do you believe in coincidences? Do you believe God wastes words? Why would he put that in here? Right? It's like the midwives came back and they said, well, we would kill them, king. But the Hebrew women, they're like really excited. They just, (laughs) he's there. We didn't make it in time. They had the baby before we even got there. You see, God, even in the physical. Now, we called everybody up here. (laughs) We called everybody. My wife's like. What is this? Please. We called everybody up. I got a point. We, got, we called everybody up here and we laid hands on them. You say, well, that's just a waste of time. Well, the Bible tells me that God is so in control of the body that he can make natural things speed up, slow down, hold on, do away with. You see, God is in control. God absolutely sustained his people through different ways. God absolutely sustains his people in different ways. You see, the Lord is absolutely in control of everything, and he delivers when he sees fit to deliver. But they were coming. They were after them continually all the time. Again, he said in verse 22, he says, Every son that is born of the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Moses experienced deliverance at birth. You see, no matter what this world tries to do to you, go ahead and put the points back up. No matter what this world tries to do to you, no matter what this world tries to put on you, no matter what this, how it tries to eradicate you, it does not matter because God is for you. It does not matter what it throws at you. It does not matter how it comes at you. All of God's people were extremely oppressed, but it didn't matter because God was going to deliver. The world is trying to kill you, and we should not be surprised. We should never be surprised. Because in John 15, 8, it says, The world hates you. Just know that it hated me first. The world hates you. Just know that it hated me first. I got to tell you that in everything that we do, we are to seek the Lord and have confidence that the world cannot break us down. It cannot come in. It cannot shatter us. The next thing I want you to see in this is that the deliverer, he was a deliverer from birth. I think that a lot of us, uh, a lot of us think that we don't have a purpose. A lot of us think that there's nowhere for us to go, there's no job for us, there's nothing that, that we can hold on to. But you say, he, he was absolutely a, de- a deliverer from birth. And we can see that because God shows us in the scriptures that this was a part of his life even before he became God's man. You say, where are you going with that? Well, before I was a Christian, I was, I was really, really extremely in pursuit of a lifestyle. 
I drove and drove and drove and drove and I motivated. And if you ever knew me, then you knew if you were hanging out with me, if you, if you were talking to me, if you were walking with me, then you were going to be doing at least push to do the same things that I was doing. I wanted you to see. I wanted to lead. I wanted to go. But I was leading in the wrong way. I was going the wrong way. And so I was dragging everybody down around me, dragging everybody into the pit because I was in the pit. You see, we have what God has designed for us in the blood. You remember last week when I spoke to you from uh, the book of Jeremiah when it says, before, uh, before I knit you together in your mother's womb, before I knew you, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I'm telling you right now that God has already designed for you to be who he's called you to be. He's already put everything in you that you need to do the job that he's calling you to do and to be the man or the woman that he's calling you to be. He knit you together in the womb. He did everything that was needed to make you who he's called you to be and to equip you to do what he's called you to do. You see, you cannot even escape it. Jesus Christ himself, listen in John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus Christ himself says, listen to this. This is beautiful. He says, now this was coming up to the crucifixion. It was coming up to some of his last days. And he says here in 27, he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Save me from this hour? No, but it's for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. God knew who you were to be before anybody had ever heard your name. God had called you. You see, we find in the book of Exodus, we see that, that he provided a way. He provided a way out. He delivered Moses from death at birth, and he delivered him out of the hands. But he also had placed this purpose inside of him. And we see three instances in Moses' life that would, would show who God was calling him to be. If you remember the story, when, when Moses was, uh, when he grew up and he became a man, he was a witness to this uh, criminal act. And he saw this Egyptian being hard on one of his Hebrew brothers. And he was doing something to him, whether it was be striking him or hitting him. And it's, the Bible says that he came up and he looked this way and that way, and then he struck the Egyptian dead. Did you know that Moses was a murderer? He said, I could never, but I've got so many things in my life, I could never be I could never go and do, I could never be used by God. I could never be washed clean. Moses was a murderer. Noah passed out naked and drunk in his tent after hitting dry land. David was a murdering adulterer. God knows what you've done. God knows what you've done. I could go on and on and on and on again. As a matter of fact, one of the underlying themes of Scripture is that God loves the adulterous people that will not stop committing adultery. Go read the book of Hosea. God knows exactly what you've done. He knows exactly where you are, and he's still coming to get you. You see, God means to deliver you. He means to have you. He means to do what God wants to do through you, and he never, ever fails. I wonder how many of you in this room tonight, today, this morning, just feel like it's a hopeless road. You feel like with everything that's, that's happened in your life, with all the bridges that you've burned and, and all the, the, the nightmares that you've been through, all the sins that you've committed, 
all the past that's lingering over your head, all of these things, how many of y'all wonder, feel like there's just no hope? There's hope. There's hope. You see, Moses was the same way, not just one time, but several different times. He killed the Egyptian. It says he hid him in the sand. He hid the Egyptian in the sand. Another instance, two Hebrews is, is fighting, and he's looking at them, and, and he says, you guys stop doing that. He looks at the one that was wrong. He says, stop doing that. And the Hebrew looks at him and says, who are you to make yourself a prince over us? You're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? You know what Moses did when he said that? Took off running. He says, oh, man, people know what I've done. People know what I've done. You see, we think we hide things, but we don't hide anything from God. I'm not even telling you to put on a show like you've got it all together and then you can come to the church and then you can start coming every Sunday and, and do what you're supposed to do. No. You see, when Wesley came and uh, we were trying to figure out whether or not God was calling him here, he came and we talked and Wesley was telling me, he said, he said brother, you don't want me here. You, don't, you couldn't believe uh, the things that I've done in my life. Now, Wesley could have come and, and he could have hid all of that, swept it on the rug, hid it in the sand like the Egyptian. He could have said, you know, I, no, I've, I've done this, I've done this, I've done, here's my resume, I've done it. No, he said, no, listen. Here's an Egyptian in the sand. I appreciated it. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Those of you in here who think that you're too dirty, you've got too much baggage, well, maybe that just means you're ready to confess all of that, to be made new to be used and equipped by God to do something in the world. You don't have to hide your sins. You're not hiding them anyway. God knows. There was another instance, the third one, and we'll move, move on. When Moses uh, delivered these ladies, these ladies had come to draw water out of the well and these other shepherds, these other guys had come over and they said, no, you can't be here, you can't be here. Moses drove them off. I don't know if he drove them off with a stick or how he did it, but the Bible says he drove them off. And he didn't just drive them off, but he, he drew water out of the well for the ladies. He delivered them. You see, it was in his blood. I got to ask you, what is it that you love to do? Those of you who have never really worked for God, those of you who have never really put your hand to the plow, and you, you keep telling me, I keep having people come to me all the time, I don't know what my gift is, I don't know what my gift is, I don't know what my gift is. Let me ask you, what is it that you just find yourself doing all the time? What is it that you just find as a part of you and you, this is what you do, this is what you love to do, this is how, this is how you, you spend your free time and, and if, you've got a, if you've got a minute, you're going to be doing this and, and, and God's just seemingly put this inside of you. You see, God knows who you're going to be, and he's, he's implanted in you those things that you, do to, that you need to do the work of God. But like Moses, apart from the work of God, or like Moses, apart from the reproach of Christ, we can't, we can't rightly do what God has called us to do. And so we find ourselves falling into sin, even in the passions and the desires and the motivations that God has put inside of us. So Moses hid the Egyptian in the sand. He, he drove out this Hebrew, and, he, and, he's, and he's running for his life, and he's doing all of these things. So I want to tell you that God delivers you 
to be a child of God. He, that's deliverance that, that he has spared you. Yes, the world is after you. It's coming after you. But Christ is, is the sanctuary. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe. He's there to deliver you. But I want to tell you, he has delivered you for a purpose. And he has put this purpose inside of you. And he has, he has done a work in you that you are to now be who he's called you to be. But he's not leaving you there. He's going to call you into that purpose. And he is going to show you what it is and and how you are going to do it. Listen to the scripture right here. You see, Moses was wondering too. You see, you might hear the word of the Lord going out. Yeah, I hear you talking, Brandon, about gifts and about all of these things. But I got to wonder, how does that fit with me? What does that, what does that do for me? And, and I'm telling you this. Upon everything else, you can put whatever it is specifically that you're called to do, you can put it under this right here, that you are called to go, you are called to proclaim Christ, you are called to show them, you are called to reveal to them the glories of God in the Word of God, however that might look for you, that's what you are called to do. I can't say it plainly enough. You are called to be a light on a hill. You are called to be salt to a saltless world. You are called to show them Jesus. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You're called to show people Jesus. Now, how you do that may look different than your brother, but you are called to do that. You are called to go and shine your light. The biggest thing that you need to do in order to see how it is that God is calling you to do what God has called you to do is you need to press into him. You need to experience him. You need to get into the word. You need to get close to God. You need to get close to Christ. Because what happens is, I was talking to Robert about this the other day. What happens is, is that as the Holy Spirit fills us up, he comes out. You know, Robert asked me, he said, is everybody called? Now, I thought he was talking about salvation at first, but he was talking about, is everybody called to have their hands on, to have their, their, their hands in the pot, to be doing, to be working, to be going? And I say to that, yes. Everybody that, is, that calls himself a Christian, that says, I've been born again, every one of you are called if you call yourself a Christian. Now, I actually began to think about that more and more. And, and I started to distinguish that from a call to salvation and a call to work. But I took a step back, and as I thought about it, and as I thought about it, and the Lord was just working on me, they're really actually one and the same. A call to salvation is a call to action. You cannot, listen to me, church, you cannot be saved and not living for Christ. It doesn't work that way. You say, what do you mean now? Why not? I don't live, I don't, I don't live my every day for Christ, but I'm a Christian. I prayed that prayer 15 years ago. And I was born again right there. I was born again. Have you been born again? Well, if you've been born again, then you will absolutely look like your dad. You will look like your family. You will, you will act like them. You will talk like them. You will do. And, and as I started to distinguish this, and you say, what does this have to do with this? What I want to show you is that it wasn't until Moses encountered Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus wasn't there in the Old Testament. Yes, he was. I want to show you this, and then we're going to close out. I want to show you Christ in this. Listen to this right here. We're just going to start having, having fun here, all right? Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now listen to this, okay? 
the, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, what we know is, is that when Moses fell on, he came upon this bush and he looks out of the corner of his eye and he sees this bush on fire. Okay? Now, I want you to remember about Moses in his life, okay? Moses was delivered as a baby, like Christ was. They were trying to kill him, like Christ was, like they were trying to kill Jesus. They were absolutely after him, but God delivered him because their moms were vigorous and shot him out like sweet potatoes, okay? They, they, he delivered them in every single way. He then put place to gift, place to calling in Moses' life, and it comes out in his life in ways that really actually hurt him because he's striking down Jesus, he's killing, he wants to see the people delivered, right? Now, who would have known that, that God was going to use Moses to actually deliver them in the right way? And so then he's walking down the road or walking up a mountain one day, and all of a sudden there's a bush on fire. Now, it doesn't say that Moses was like, whoa. As a matter of fact, let's see what it says. I just find this very weird. He says, and the angel, now hold on to the angel of the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. He's walking up the mountain, burning bush. I'm going to go see this bush. I mean, what would you do if you were walking in the woods, okay? Now, you've read this story a million times, so you're like, okay, burning bush. Now, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. You're walking in the woods, nighttime. You look over, and there's a bush on fire. And you say, somebody lit that bush on fire. I'm going to go see this bush. <laughs> so you walk over to the bush. The bush is on fire. But it's not burning. What would you do? I'm running. I mean, the bush is on fire, but the bush ain't burning. There's something wrong with this bush. It should not be on fire. And then all of a sudden, out of the bush comes a voice. <laughs> the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses is like, I'll turn over here and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw, now I want you to put those two things together. That's the point right here. It says, who talked to him out of the bush? The angel of the Lord, right? It says clearly, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And then it says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Jesus Christ, if, you cannot say, see, God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. God the Father doesn't have a body. Anytime we see a a being that has a body, and it's called God, that's Jesus Christ. This is a Christophany. I'm saying this for a reason, because the same Christ that took Moses and 
made him into the man that he was going to be is the same Christ that is looking for you to change your life, to turn you into the person that you are supposed to be. The same God that called Moses out of the bush is the same God that calls you today. He is the same God that is going to equip. He is the same God that is going to prepare you. He's the same God that is going to send you. And he is calling you to be a deliverer of his people. There's nothing different about what happened to Moses and what's happening to you. You are being spoken to by the Lord Jesus Christ from the word of God. And he is saying, let my people go. He is telling you to go and tell this world, let my people go. You see, God is using you much like he is using Moses to set his people free. Will you be obedient? You see, Moses, he had all kind of excuses. I mean, all kind of excuses. Several times he says, listen right here in verse 10, he says, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in, my past, uh, in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. I'm guessing maybe he was like Forrest Gump. Forrest was, you know, he wasn't a smart man, but he knew what love was. Moses, he said, I can't talk really well. I'm not eloquent, and I'm kind of slow. Moses said that. But what did God say? Did God say, well, darn, I was going to use you. God, see, God knew Moses before he ever formed him, just like he knew Jeremiah before he ever formed him. He knew what he was called to do. He knew how he was preparing him, and he knew exactly what he had for him. His, be, his not being able to speak well or understand well was no hindrance and no consequence to God. How many of us here, we make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse? Listen to what it says. This wasn't a surprise to the Lord. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, it says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. God says, look, I'm calling you to go, and I'm calling you to speak out, to proclaim the good news that, that the people of Egypt get to go. They get to leave. They get to go out of there. I'm, I'm calling you to tell Pharaoh to let them go. I'm calling you to be the delivery agent. I'm calling you to deliver my people through the word, through what I have told you. I am sending you out. But even God said, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. He says in verse 20, so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. You see, it's not you going, but it's God. It's God who is equipping you. It's God who is sending you. It's God who is working in you to do these wonders and these signs and these things that blow people's mind. You see, you need to go and you need to talk and you need to share the good news of Jesus Christ and let Christ do the work. Let the word of God do what it does. Jesus said, I, I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all, all people, all men to myself. Don't worry, child of God. God is delivering you. He has called you to be a deliverer, and he is equipping you for every good work. It is God that works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As we all stand to our feet, I want to share one last thing. You see, we can... 
We can look at Moses' life and we can, we can get some good advice. We can see how Moses was spared by the Lord through miraculous things. Moses was spared. You know, not only was Moses spared, but it was actually his own mother who was called in to breastfeed him and raise him. So his mom had set him down in the river and walked away because she was afraid he was going to die. But then he was found by an Egyptian woman, Pharaoh's daughter, and she actually said, go and get a Hebrew to nurse this baby because I can't nurse him. And it was his mom that came back. You see, God is not just going to deliver you. He is going to make a way for you to get nurtured. You see, God is has not only delivered you from a fallen and broken and dying world, but he, but he has already gifted you. And now all that, all that lacks, all that lacks is for that gifting to be brought into flame, for that gifting to come out of you. And some of you are scared to death. I know I get scared too sometimes, especially when I'm not pressed into Christ and him, it's just him living through me. But what God has said is that it's not you, it's me. You see, when Moses was talking to the bush, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I, could, I guess I could go, but I can't talk well, and I don't know what I would say, and I mean, who would I even say sent me? You know, some of you, I wonder if you're saying the same thing. I mean, some of you, especially those of you who have a really rotten past, you say, Brandon, if what you're telling me is true is this, is that I'm to go out and I'm to tell those who are broken that they can be whole. Don't you know I'm broken? How can I tell someone that they need to be whole and that God offers wholeness, but I'm broken? You know, all that tells me is, is that you've not experienced God like, at least like he wants you to experience him. Because my Bible tells me that you're saint if you know Christ that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness there is nothing that Christ can't do how many of you just need to be released in the ministry today how many of you you, you allow the things in your life to hold you back. How many of you are today are maybe the, for the first time experiencing the call? You said, yeah, I, I just need to be delivered. You're talking about going. You're talking about doing. You're talking about working. But I'm the one that needs to be delivered. I can't deliver anybody. I need to be delivered. Oh, the good news is when Moses asked, he said, who am I going to tell them sent me? God says, I am who I am. Tell them that the great I am sent you. You see, in Hebrews 1, we know that, that Christ is greater than Moses. In Hebrews 3, we know that Moses worked on the house. But Christ made the house. See, in John chapter 8, we understand that Jesus was explaining to them that he was God. That they needed to believe in him, that they needed to repent, that they needed to understand that he was God. 
He said, you know, Abraham even looked forward to my day and was glad. And the Pharisees knew what this meant because they looked at him and they said, who is this guy? You're not even 50 years old, yet you're saying that, that Abraham looked forward to your day? What are you trying to say? And he looked at him and he said, even before Abraham was, I am. You see, the great I am who was speaking with Moses in the bush is speaking to you today. He's saying that I want you to go, and you're saying, but I don't know. He says, I know that you can't do it. He says, I can. You say, I don't know if I can. I, don't, I can't talk. He says, I've got people. I've got means. I've got a mouth, and I'm going to put my word in your mouth, and I'm going to do this mighty deed. As I offer an invitation, I want to know two things today. Are there any here who have never really given themselves to Christ? Are there any here who have never really turned aside to look at this amazing I am? Is there anyone here who has never been affected by the raging inferno, the fires of life of Jesus Christ? Would you, like Moses, turn to the side and take a look at this amazing thing? Would you come to Jesus? haven't offered an invitation like this in a while. I wonder how many in this room, you need to give your life to Christ. You don't have a fire within you. You don't have a stirring life within you. You're downcast all the time and you have nothing. You have, you have no hope. You have no, no means. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Who in here needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ today? Raise your hand. Is there any in here who would come to know Christ today? Any? Today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Last chance. From this altar anyway. Any others? Well, that being said, I'm going to pray that everyone in here knows Christ. And the second thing I would ask you, have you been released in the ministry yet? Every one of you. Do you know what your call is? Have you said yes? Have you like Jeremiah and like Samuel and like Moses, have you said, here I am, Lord. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. I what, what is it that you want from me, Lord? I'm ready to go. What would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What would you have me to say? Use my mouth. Use my soul. Use my feet. Use my hands. Do whatever, God. If every one of you would say, here I am, the front is open if you wanted to come and do business with God. I'll be up here. I know that Paul told Timothy, he said, fan into flames the gift that was given to you by the laying on of my hands. Now, I don't think that he actually gave him a gift. I believe that he acknowledged that he had that gift. But I, what I want to offer for you today is that I'll be up here, and the other pastors will be up here as well, any that can. And we'll pray for you. We'll pray that the Lord would show you, that the Lord would grant to you whatever ministry that he has for you, whatever, whatever purpose that he has for you, that you could be 
that you could be used by God. Because this is what we're called to do. For any need in prayer, the front is open and I'll be here. And Mark will be here and anybody else up here that we can get to pray over you. Come, do with Christ what he's calling you to do.